the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching show, post-mortem, preaching post-mortem show. Where Close we, enough. <laughs> where we dive deep and um, try to figure out what's been going on in the brain of my husband, James Anger. Here I'm, we are. Hello. Yeah, I'm Emily. Welcome to uh, this edition, this Easter Sunday edition of the Post-Sunday Blues. We are in our post-Sunday repose right now. Yeah, you don't look as snazzy as you did on Sunday. <laughs> First tie ever at Liberty Collingswood. Yeah, we um, we had my family over for Easter outside um, for the first time. My parents are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. You've been fully vaccinated. I was one week yeah. out of my second vaccine, so I was happy. And my my dad was making comments about how how good you looked in a suit <laughs> and a haircut. I I did get an email on Sunday afternoon with the subject header: "Who are you and what did you do with today?" <laughs> It, is, it was a little bit confusing for, for the children also. The children were like, wait, what? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll be back to no coat, no tie next week, yeah. everybody. I remember my kids when, or my kids, your kids also. Our kids are, or boys who are now lanky teenagers, like loving to dress up in suits like you. But now right. they don't have that inspiration. They have the preppy bug. Yeah. but um, And then the haircut. Uh, Clara was disappointed by the chopping off of your lovely golden curl yeah i went all the way from august to april without a haircut <laughs> it's a personal record yeah um back like reliving the days when you were called goldilocks as a child that's right more sandy blondie brownie locks right now but you know the prima donna aspect is still strong sure <laughs> at least clara thinks so <laughs> <laughs> um Anyways, it was Easter Sunday. It was it was another a second Easter Sunday that was strange for us, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. It felt it felt more like Easter than last week or last week last year. So that is at least a positive. Yeah, that's true. Last year, I guess we were not at Holy Trinity, and we were. I think we had just started. I forget if we just started before or after Easter doing edited videos together so we had different people record different parts right. of the worship service it could have been that it was still the jim anger solo show with me saying everything in the service from start to finish those were fun days i can't wait to get back to those just kidding <laughs> right but uh, you know we're hopeful also my kids were asking i keep on talking about my kids but they were the focus of this easter in some ways yeah. they were asking why they didn't get easter dresses and easter new easter clothing and it was because <laughs> we're still sitting on our couch in jammies um, easter jammies but next year next year we'll be hopeful um and it's still it's still Easter. It's still a celebration of Jesus Christ uh, crucified and resurrected. Yeah. So that was the transitioning into this this sermon this Sunday for Stormy Monday. Um, I was talking again to the girls just out um, out outside just now, and mm-hmm. I was asking if they had any comments about your sermon. And Jesse's uh, question was like, it "Was such a weird topic." <laughs> Why were you talking about doubting on Easter? Oh, so provocative, <laughs> that father of yours, Jesse. 
so that was the big picture question and I'm sure that's a bigger bigger story of like why why you were jumping into that topic but in general what were you burdened to get across this Sunday yeah so we'll talk about that a good bit more and muddying the waters later on but at Lent right before Easter at Liberty Collingswood we were in a long sermon series about racism and systemic injustice that sermon series concluded and so I was looking for a one-off sermon text for this Easter Sunday and you know, don't have to reinvent the wheel. I went and looked for resurrection appearances, resurrection stories at the end of the gospel accounts. I think, and it's not that there are tons of people that have tracked over the last 20 years what I've preached at multiple church locations on Easter Sunday. I think I've preached on most every Easter story, resurrection story, resurrection appearance. Although I don't think I've ever preached on Doubting Thomas before. So on the surface, Doubting Thomas from John chapter 20 was what we were talking about this Sunday because it was new to me. But I also, for various reasons, like the idea of tackling doubt on an Easter morning. And it's just a great self-contained story. So for a self-contained Easter Sunday, this felt like it fit the bill. Yeah, I think I think it for me it made sense because we've been talking about systemic racism and our hearts as it relates to that and Mm -hmm. then we've been facing this year where we haven't been connected and and in community face to face so the idea of like those things bring up doubt for for a lot of your audience so yeah um that is that's important i see that um what what were you excited to see with god doing with this message I wanted people to get excited about the center of the Christian story once again, joining Thomas in both his doubt and then his confession, my Lord and my God. This is why we do all this stuff. This is why we have a podcast right now. This is why we do church stuff. Lots of moving pieces, lots of good days and not so good days as a minister of the gospel and as a ministry family, as you know. But the reason that we keep doing this year after year after year is because there's an empty tomb. And so last week I was praying myself back into the Easter story, reminding me of the big picture and seeking to fall in love uh, with this story and with this Jesus all over again. And I happened to be listening to a podcast last week. I'm not only a podcast giver, I'm a podcast listener. Hmm. When the pastor who had just written a book about the resurrection, possibly timed to Easter and doing a little bit of a podcast gab tour, made the comment, if Jesus is resurrected, everything's going to be okay. And I think I said that at the very beginning yeah, of the did. service before yep. that, before the call to worship. Wanting just to remind ourselves of that, if Jesus really is resurrected for all of the craziness of our lives in big and small ways, from headlines to heartbeats, if Jesus is resurrected. Everything's going to be okay. So I tried to put that center stage in the sermon for this Sunday. Right. I think that is hitting the zeitgeist of right now. The like we're feeling some hope. We're feeling some. Mm-hmm. The end is in sight. And um, sure. I I liked when you were talking about um, unbelief being more profitable than belief. Um, yes, that was one of the ancient church fathers. John Chrysostom. Um, just the concept of that made me think about this past year and mm-hmm. what we're going to take away from it, what, whether it's going to be um, 
just bitterness that things were lost or something that's more real. So I think yeah. that uh, the story of Thomas um, and his walk through unbelief was cool. Yeah, was it feels important. like a it feels like a real story and put Thomas in your COVID scrapbook, everybody. Sure. Um, connected to that, moving on to the Sun Studios where we talk about like the specific passages. Mm-hmm. Um, why this particular passage? Uh, like, why did you choose this version of the Thomas story? Mm-hmm. What did you find challenging? Sure, the BB King James version. And we were talking with our brother-in-law yesterday on our back porch. He actually has been to Beale Street, so we should go there sometime. I wonder if we could get a sponsor. Is Beale Street? What, what is Beale Street? I don't even know what Beale Street is. Uh, that's the, is that the main BB drag part? in <laughs> Memphis where you go, and BB King has a club there. So yeah, maybe we can get oh the book if BB Beale King's Street club. Could talk. Right. Uh, maybe we could get a sponsorship going from from oh, Beale yeah, Street for sure. Just would... because I always forget to mention BB King. <laughs> right so yeah you'll 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 take the lead on that negotiation so King, james version john chapter 20 doubting thomas famous thomas says unless i see in his hands the mark of the nails place my finger into the mark of the nails place my hand in his side i will never believe uh, one of the more famous resurrection accounts of jesus and then also this passage is known not just for the doubting part, but some people forget that he actually comes around yeah. in short order and at the end of the passage gives this high Christological confession. Okay, unpack that. My term. Lord and my God. Christological confession, what is it? So Christology, Christ, Christ, Jesus, ology, talking about. In the Gospels, there is a slow burn, a slow roll from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as they implicitly build the case for the person of Jesus. And each of the four Gospels does that slow roll out in different ways. But by design, this is the first time in John's Gospel where Jesus is directly addressed as Lord with the full implications of that and my God. So coupled with the infamous doubting of Thomas is this famous confession where I believe, and the church has held for 2,000 years, that Jesus is both God and man, all that stuff. You actually don't have a ton of direct references to that, especially in the Gospels. But this is one of them and deserves pride of place for its centrality, not only in the context of Thomas, but in the context of this Gospel overall. So wanted to have some fun with my Lord and my God. Right. That, uh, yeah, the confession of Thomas, the ending point of um, where our doubts can lead us, that that feels like something that resonates. Yeah. Um, so was there anything else about this passage? Yeah, also, and this is more for the Bible nerds, although huge implications for followers of Jesus. There's the stuff about the resurrection of the body of Jesus that I put in the middle of the sermon, the whole thing about Jesus appearing to the disciples on the second Sunday when the door was locked. And that's the second time in John chapter 20, where John makes the point, Jesus got into a room where the door is locked. So MCU fans the post-Sunday blues, does the resurrected body of Jesus have vision-like qualities being able to pass through things? It seems like an even reading of John chapter 20 is yes. And so speaking of slow rolls, the resurrected body of Jesus is different 
as subtly clued in this passage. So I was happy to spend a little bit of time unpacking that passage like 1 Corinthians 15. Paul goes into a lot more detail about how our resurrection bodies, as we say in the Apostles' Creed, we believe in the resurrection of the body right. and life everlasting. Amen. Our bodies will have continuity and similarity with what we have now, but different and better. And I actually have always been intrigued by the modesty with which John, John 20 and the other Gospels allude to the differences inherent in Jesus' resurrection body. Yeah, that does body, seem kind of wild. But like don't really go him. into it. And apart from Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 and a couple other passages, it's not something that's hugely picked up on by sure. the rest of the New Testament either. But it's there, yeah. and so I wanted to give it a little bit of airtime, a little bit of oxygen in the sermon. Right, but you didn't compare it to vision in your sermon. You're saving that for the podcast. Well, that was a guitar slip pickings. <laughs> yeah, the MCU for me is on the Bruce Springsteen list of things that I reference so much that I actually reference less because I don't want to yeah. just get distracting it's for people. Possibly getting worse, too, as the MCU continues to yeah. blow up and expand. Right. Yeah, that's true. Case in point, the pastor that I was listening to about the book of the resurrection, everything's going to be okay if Jesus is resurrected, is Tim Keller. And so right. I wanted to avoid the saying other. that name just because, oh, Jim's <laughs> listening to another podcast Surprise, surprise. Tim Keller. You know, the more things change, baby. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's quoting you out there who, like, stops quoting you because they quote you so much. Who is that person? Oh, that would be my <laughs> life's dream. Are they listening? I just quote Jim Anger so much that it, I become a walking <laughs> anger cliche. Yeah, we're... Well, maybe, I want you to know that I love you if you are out there. Maybe after your fifth, fifth book, <laughs> they'll be coming after you. Right. Anything else in this di deep dive into your passage? Going to Beale Street. That's it. Okay, got it. Um, next section is muddying the waters, where we talk about the difficulty of constructing the sermon. The, were there things and that you were stretched when you were constructing this particular sermon? Yeah, I guess it's the case that in our little outline that we have here, what was fun or difficult about constructing the sermon? Sermon writing is never difficult. I've never had a bad day <laughs> or a struggle with any of those things. But what was on my mind and what contexts was I trying to engage? And like I mentioned earlier, I came to this passage with Doubting Thomas looking for a resurrection passage. I didn't open the Bible saying it's got to be Thomas sure. this Sunday. But when I did land on this passage, I found ways that it connected to some of my own heart and mind space. And this has been a year talking with other pastors in the Liberty Network and conversations more broadly where deconversion is on our minds. Right. The statistic that pastors have used, including we've used it and on this podcast, uh, one in five churchgoers in America over COVID have stopped going to church. Right. We'll see how many of them come back, but by and large, it seems like they're not. And so if here in the West, nominal Christianity is its own dying breed as our world becomes more secular, there's just less social cachet to be a Christian in Statistically, it seems like there's a lot of people who have maybe been a little fringy with Christianity are using COVID. And I don't mean this like critically or pejoratively. What I hear is that it's happening. They're saying this is an opportunity for me to reassess 
whether I need to keep doing churchy sure. things at all because doing churchy things has become that much harder and more awkward with right. with digital church and virtual virtual worship. So people are saying like, yeah, this isn't actually me. And that sort of doubt to one extent or another is built into the resurrection story itself as Thomas, Thomas has doubts. Are any of these things true? So I've had had those things batting them on my brain in, in multiple ways over months and found it dovetailing with Easter Sunday. Right. So and that's why Jesse is saying, why talk about doubt on Easter Sunday, Dad? You're, <laughs> you're losing the platform that you've built right. immediately. So today you can give her the, the or you maybe you can just hand her the podcast. She's listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it does feel like that's the context of today, that that what what did we emerge from this year feeling or thinking or what are the new habits and I think I don't think it's specific to the church I think that it's yeah. it's all over the place but worshiping virtually just isn't the same and I'm looking forward to um, when we regather in person mm-hmm. um, and I think this yeah like I'm again immersed in the school world with my kids and thinking about how I see the challenges that they're facing people um mm-hmm just not learning as much when you're sitting in front of a, a screen and like the resistance to that. So I see that in my friends when we're finally starting to regather yeah. as a friend, as a friend group, we're like, Oh, we really haven't, I don't even know how to talk to people anymore. Right. <laughs> Cause it, it, that hasn't happened. So, uh, I could see why it would be a season of doubt, but I'm hopeful for us to evaluate and say well, something was missing and we want that back. Yeah, and to use the analogy of friend groups regathering, it's probably going to be the case that with whomever we emerge from quarantine and coronavirus with, it's going to look slightly different than the set of friends that that, that we had beforehand. So there's going to be some people that we weren't hugely close to before COVID that we find ourselves hanging out with a lot, but then also vice versa. In church leadership circles, we're wondering similarly, as the church reassembles, not just Liberty Collingswood, but across the board, who's going to be with us? Right. We're going to look different. We're probably going to find and see faces who have attached themselves to us either locally or not right. during coronavirus. But then the other way too, which is fine, and it's a natural sifting process, seeming like a good time for us. So, Em, you're a big Star Trek fan. <laughs> you're more a Star Trek than Star Wars, I think you'd say That's that. That's true. I, I grew up watching Next Generation yeah, that's right. So, Syndicate. well, you you were young enough, and Helen Wolves, you should know that I married an older lady. So, Stop. you were old enough to actually catch Star Trek: The Next Generation when you were the first generation watching The Next Generation. Star Trek Four, which includes the original cast, they're traveling back in time, and so they use the gravity of the sun and the Enterprise to slingshot around Where the sun, generate enough speed to travel back to. 1980s West Coast, San Francisco, which is where I'd want to go if I could time travel anywhere. Capturing momentum from an unlikely place. That's what we're going to try to do as we we reassemble, slingshotting around the sun, saying, hey, there's a new season of commitment. There's a new season of the Holy Spirit doing something new in our world. Let's roll up our sleeves and do it. Let's be honest about our doubts and move forward in faith. Yeah, look at you with your your (laughs) non-MCU... illustrations <laughs> I, i'm a You're man of many nerdish fetishes yeah um yeah 
Um, anyways, Emily, not commenting. No, I, yeah, I've lost, I've lost my thread of where to go with that. Um, the context, the context is very tricky. I, the more I think about it, the more it's kind of exciting, even to think about the new world we're about to emerge from. And we, we just like I often am telling the kids, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't yep. know what what it will look like. And so you're facing that now with this new context. Right. Very much so. And doubt's going to be a part of that. In my mind, and I say this about a lot of things, there are, there are some gym phrases that, that get patented back to me where somebody will say, oh, wait, Jim is going to say that this is kind of like a balance thing. So so another one. And it's not like I came up with... Uh, balance. With <laughs> the terminology balance. balance. <laughs> yeah, we'll try it's to trademark that one. Go for Post it. Post Blues, the inventors of balance. Here we go. But the whole thing about being a good servant but a bad master, that, that applies to doubt for sure. Where for us as followers of Jesus, we need to listen to our doubts so that they don't become deafeningly loud, but give them some oxygen, let them breathe, see where we are with things. And people transition over time. I heard a pastor a couple years ago say, there are some things about Christianity that I'm less sure about, but then on the other hand, I am more sure that Jesus is raised from the dead and speaks to us mm. through his word than right. ever before. Doubt can be a good servant, but then if all it is is turtles all the way down right. with doubt, then Jesus isn't driving the ship for us anymore. And let's not forget that Jesus says to Doubting Thomas, incredibly accommodating, put your finger here, see my hands, yeah. put out your hand, place it in my side, examine evidence, but then do not disbelieve, but believe. Right. Jesus doesn't want to leave us in our doubt, but drive us to a more settled faith. Right. I think one of your phrases, the gym phrases that mm-hmm. I have absorbed. Oh, <laughs> talk to me. Is the is that concept of trying on faith. So yeah. um, I like that image because it makes it more accessible to break through your doubt just by trying it. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't, I think my perfectionist streak like wants to make sure things are perfect before I dive in. Um, But the idea that, oh no, you could just try faith. You could try the practices of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, And because Jesus is crucified and resurrected and gives grace, there is this space, like I was talking about on Sunday, to be able to explore without a feeling of judgment or getting whacked. Jesus doesn't whack Thomas in the story for having doubts in the first place. So yeah, if you're like me, weather's getting warmer you're you're looking online at beige seersucker suits and thinking <laughs> could this be me why don't i just try it on there's there's a the beige no penalty oh my goodness yeah blues blue seersuckers are so so cliched you, you know you need multiple seersuckers so we'll we'll leave that one there too mudding the waters and last thing from me at least here and I do try to do this on a regular basis on Easter sermons, going back through some of that old Josh McDowell type of why right. we can trust that the, the resurrection. Josh McDowell has become a little bit of his own cliche, I think, in some Christian circles where like, yeah, these are like the youth group answers about why we should believe the resurrection. But more sophisticated people aren't really going to be persuaded by these things. For me on this count, I think those Josh McDowell arguments are really good. And the fact that all of the disciples, save one John who was exiled, died witnessing in the process of, of witnessing to a resurrected tomb. And I think it makes sense that 
people won't die for a lie. And I right. think it makes sense that the resurrection seems more credible because all of the resources of empire by Rome were employed against this fledgling movement. So if, if there are people out there wondering on an evidential level, hey, does this check out? Does this make any sense? Yeah, you're trying yeah, to. Yeah, I, 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 I try to stick some of that stuff in every year. And I said, hey, like, don't, don't stress out about uh, age of Earth and genealogies in, in Genesis, although that was a topic of conversation on yes. our back porch <laughs> that <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> but um, yeah, is Jesus crucified and resurrected? Sure. That's the linchpin, the fulcrum upon which all of the rest of this stuff hangs and so as we interrogate our own doubts we need to put the weight there so you know whether it's me and whether it's you whether it's our kids watching i want them to have assurance that for all of the weird things that the church does there's a reason that we do all of it and that's jesus resurrected yep important stuff that's and that is a good this is what easter is about and this is why we're this is why we're here on Easter. It's not the dresses. So even if the dresses or the suits, the not even my suits. penguin tie, <laughs> as much as I'd love it to be. The Easter egg hunts. Um, so <laughs> yeah, hopefully that that message is hitting hitting us and transforming us as we move on. I hope so. Spring. Uh, moving on to your bar band cover tunes. What were you specifically? Looking at using to illustrate things. I'm looking at my notes here. I can barely read my notes. I feel like I must Well, you were using the, is it the mandala? <laughs> I tried the mandolin. Zucchini? It's a mandolin. mandolin. I started cutting by hand. I was, I was uh, uh, peeling asparagus while taking sermon notes. It's the only year I will ever be able to do that. <laughs> I think it's one of my favorite euphemisms that you use peeling asparagus while <laughs> watching a sermon. Uh, I, yeah. Anyways, I wrote down Robert Stone. That was connected to me because I, I have seen lots of him on our, right. <laughs> on our shelves, but also the concept of um, ex-Catholics and dealing with doubt, I think is, is one that uh, resonates in the cultural zeitgeist again. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was, was it Flannery O'Connor? Becca, one of our Helen Wolves, has written in about that before, the, the whole Christ-haunted thing. Robert Stone, by and large a secular fiction writer who died in the early 2010s, but wrote starting in the 1960s, was a original part of Ken Casey and the you know, drug culture of the West Coast. So man well-traveled through a lot of different iterations of late 20th century, could never quite get over the fact from his Catholic upbringing that there could be out there the existence of a moral universe and a God to whom we must give an answer and reckon. So I put in there once again, Stone, and there's a book I've been meaning to check it out. It's called something like, I don't know, written down here, After Catholicism. So mm. it's an interview, a book of interviews given by an ex-Catholic to other ex-Catholics talking about how they can't quite get over their Catholicism. In that context, Stone writes, I don't see how anybody who took seriously their Catholic upbringing can be, as co can be comfortable as an atheist. You'd have to doubt that too. So Stone is saying here that I even doubt my doubts. Sure. And I think that that's good as secularism becomes more militant and self-referential Understand that, like, 
hey, there, there are some dangling threads in open quest. There, there are some things that your system can deal with pretty well, but then some other things that your system really struggles with, and those should be your points of wrestling and doubt. Right. Um, it's a good... It's a good Robert Stone. His friends call him Bob. Um, let's see. Who else did you pull? Where were the other references? In the modern direction, another Zadie Smith quote. So a lot of, lot of airtime given to Robert Stone and Zadie Smith and my sermons recently because that's who I've been reading. Character there, the novel is Swing Time. Swing Time was also the source of the quote from the Lenten sermon series um, about impoverished people not having any good choices to make in front of them. So this is the same book where the main character later on goes to West Africa and is involved in building a school for girls in a super, super impoverished area and she makes a friend makes friends with the west african who's vivacious full of life and during one period where the main character is away she comes back to find that her friend her west african friend has converted to islam and is marrying somebody who's a pretty strict observer Mm -hmm. of of islamic law Mm -hmm. and so she as a western person is struggling with wait a second like you you were listening to American music and trying right. trying to be as Western as so what and free as possible. What happened in, in the other direction? Um, and her point of recognition, the main character is, is sometimes I wonder if people don't want freedom as much as they want meaning. Right. And so is freedom the false harbor where it looks great on the outside, but if we don't have a deeper direction and sense of meaning and purpose, even something that can seem less free at first glance, but gives more meaning and purpose. Maybe that's what we need as human beings. And I think that's true of the gospel, where the gospel tells me yes and no, so I'm not as free to self-determine and express as I would otherwise be, but there's a deeper deeper river of meaning and direction that we can draw from the waters of the Christian story. Right, and I think the name of the Church Liberty, I think the design or the the heart behind that was yeah. to say that even within the when you grasp hold of the meaning of the gospel, that's mm-hmm. where you find freedom. Then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you right. free. So, so we had those couple of modern authors balanced with, and there are some people that have he, read hugely among what's been called the patristics or the ancient church fathers. I have not. So I pulled these couple of quotes from a modern commentary that pulled quotes from <laughs> uh, these, these ancients. But I use them the anyway. Classic re- yeah, the revelations you get when you listen to this podcast. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I try to be fairly oh, transparent you do. about... Oh, yeah, you do. Read. Yeah, I got this quote from somewhere else. Right. Versus... I read this and I, I did my thesis on. Yeah, which I actually haven't. But I'm two-thirds of the way through. So anyway... Gregory of Nyssa, the unbelief of Thomas is more profitable. Actually, it was Gregory and not Chrysostom that you referenced earlier. The unbelief of Thomas is more profitable to our faith than the belief of the other disciples. For the touch by which he is brought to believe confirms our minds in belief beyond all question. And then John Chrysostom, another ancient church father reflecting on just how incredibly merciful Jesus is to put up with the doubt of Thomas and say, yeah, you can touch my wounds. You can put your hand in my side. So pretty amazing that a post-resurrection Jesus of such power and might is so accommodating and nobly, humbly condescending to a doubter like Thomas. 
Yeah, what are the connections that you feel like when you use, when you're drawing from ancient church philosophers or writers right. and connecting them to, to today? Well, they're wacky and they're kind of crazy. And so sometimes when you go back and read in context, huge stretches of patristics, like their methods of interpretation, stereotypically super allegorical. They're just like so way out there that it's like, I have no idea how I can get anything out of out of this at all, which is why I don't go into the deep end of the swimming pool with patristics. Maybe I should. But then also they have fresher sets of eyes than we have. Hmm. And so there's either turns of phrases or understandings of depths of story, sure. sometimes going wacko, allegor- alle- wacko allegorical, other times depths of story that are seen by ancients better than moderns. And I think these two quotes are an example of that. Sure. That's, that's interesting. I think it is interesting when, you, when you're pulling from both the something that is a long history um, ob- observers plus modern authors plus your own narrative yeah, examples think, of stories. I think at a larger level that's part of the romance of being a follower of Jesus where mm-hmm. you're not doing something that was just discovered by somebody in San Francisco in the 1960s, sure. say, but instead... And I've used this as an, as an apologetic with skeptical friends over the years. Hey, I am voluntarily putting myself in the stream of a thousands-year-old story. Right. And even if in this cultural moment we're conditioned to say that anything that's not new is probably bad, toxic, and or oppressive, well, you thought that about people 20 years ago, and they were saying the same stuff that that you're saying right now, and people... 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years from now, we'll be saying the same things about us. Don't we need something deeper and richer than just what we're able to skim off the surface of culture at any given moment? So it feels weird, but that's part of the point. Right. And connecting, we're going <laughs> to have to restart in covenant classes at Liberty Collingswood at some point, even in our worship, when we give our apologetic for sure. why is Liberty worship the way that we do, we talk about balancing between the ancient and the modern because both are important. If it's only ancient, it's like, wow, this feels really stuffy and dead. Sure. Like, didn't anything happen over the past thousand years? But then on the other hand, if it's only modern all the time, it becomes disposable pop religion, which feels good on the way down, but so doesn't you work stay down. on balance. So I work on balance. <laughs> that, nice callback there, that baby. newfangled concept. Hmm. Um Moving on to guitar slim pickings, anything else that you want to share? Any any things that you wish you could redo? So I wasn't kidding. There was a reference to WandaVision and the vision with oh, Jesus' resurrection that body. You, that you cut. Right. But I thought that it was going to be too trivializing. It's probably so. <laughs> I, yeah. I was about to comment when you were making the comment, the like, so you're you're making vision into Jesus, or is Jesus like vision? Right. So stay tuned this summer for <laughs> Liberty Collingswood Church at the Movies annual summer movie series, where you'll get all of the Ooh. movie characters that we have a Disney Plus club. <laughs> right, Helen Wolves. If you want our password, <laughs> postsundayblues at gmail dot com. Um, so the the vision reference you cut. What else? There was also a snarky, snarky puppy reference. No to snarky puppies. The, the doubting Thomas. And when we were living in Texas, there was a church plant. Oh, I feel like listeners, you need to cover Dallas your ears. <laughs> no, it's going to be fine. Just trust me on this. Relax. <laughs> the, there was a church plant in the Dallas area that came up with the name St. Thomas the Doubter Church. So St. Thomas the Doubter is kind of the, you know, fancy formal name for St. Right. 
name for St. Thomas. And the the church planter was a little bit of like a hipster young guy. Sure. And all of the old heads in our group of churches were saying, like, that is such an awesome postmodern name. Your church is going to be great. <laughs> and the church planner was was a great guy. I, I don't know the full story, but the church didn't make it and died. So in my, in my cynicism, <laughs> I chuckle and say, well, the, the only good, respectable, upstanding postmodern thing left to do for a St. Thomas the Doubter church is to die. <laughs> okay. And with that. Yeah. Um, it didn't didn't yeah. make the final cut of the sermon. Yeah, that's probably Maybe a should, good thing. I'll splice it in. I, I really like that one on second <laughs> thought. Guitar Slim Pickens, you are moving up. Um, those leftovers. Um, yeah, this this. Yeah, I don't know. Move moving on to next week. What can we? What can we? What is your forecast? Since this was a one-off Easter, and you've been working. Well, you're Magic eight a, ball. You're giving me a look. Forecast cloudy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we can encore preview a little bit here. So Brandon Best is in the pulpit this coming Sunday. He's the resident at Liberty Mainline. But for the podcast that's going to drop next week, it's going to be another secret origin preacher conversation. Mm. Myself in conversation in person. We're here in Western Pennsylvania right now. Matt is moving from Western PA to the Mainline area. If you know any houses on the Mainline, where they're super cheap but super nice and super centrally located please reach out to <laughs> matt and rebecca that's what they're working on right now so matt's going to be the new pastor at liberty mainline we know we've known the Harmons for a lot of years going back to college so it'll be great for me to talk to matt about why he loves being a minister what he thinks about when he preaches Matt Harmon was the first person to walk through the door in the very first Bible study that I ever taught. Oh, so, that's a deep pull. Deep cuts. Yeah. Coming next week on the podcast. Um, intrigue. So, yeah, if you have any stor- stories or thoughts from those days, I know that we have some listeners from way back then. They could write in. We, um, we call our writers in Howlin' Wolves. We mm-hmm. like to hear from them just to... I don't know if you, I sometimes like this week was struggling to find questions for my husband. Uh, that's probably my lack of powerful coffee. But uh, if you have questions that are, are related to Jim's early days, they would be appropriate to ask. What were you going to say? Well, on, on that count, I mean, they can feel free to give questions our way about our early days that they feel are inappropriate to ask. In fact, I, <laughs> I prefer those. Also, Maybe I'll write those in. Also in the work, yeah, <laughs> an anonymous listener. Also in the works, uh, we, we should get a Facebook group going for Post Sunday Blues. If there's somebody out there that would want to take on a little bit of project about building out a Facebook group mm. for Post Sunday Blues, that would be another way of broadening the platform. And I hope you enjoy the new nice podcast ideas. art that is dropping with this week's podcast. Thanks to Denise. Um, Facebook group. So can we get in like these long arguments about esoteric things like the color, the color of your suits, the shape of your hair? (laughs) What else can we argue about? I I would love arguments about those things. (laughs) I love Facebook group arguments. Perfect place to uh, spend my time. (laughs) But we do want to do that Facebook. Okay, 
even as we're <laughs> trashing Facebook groups. That's the, that's the balance that we there, go there Actually, yeah. I actually have found real community through Facebook groups, like real live humans that I now like and am friends with. So uh, there, there is good from Facebook. <laughs> um, closing, closing up, any other last thoughts before we... That is everything. Jesus right. is risen. Happy Easter, everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Um, tell other people about this podcast. Write in with your questions. We, love, we would love to hear from you. Spread the word. Business is good. <laughs> and with that, I'll ask, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching postmortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. Uh, try talking him. Yeah. Uh, yes, talk while muted. Okay, I'm talking while muted. Okay, now unmute. Hello, I'm talking while unmuted. Okay. Does that make a difference? Uh, maybe so. Uh, this, I, th- I think this will... You want me to talk while muted?